It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, brought to you by Liveax Marine, in Isle, Minnesota Resort Sales, Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Pro Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. A lot to cover Mandy Yurick is going to drop by. We'll talk frogging for bass. Ray Gildow will drop by. He's got the latest on the walleyes on Winnie and Leach in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Steve Sapaniak's chasing muskies around on Mille Lacs. He's got the latest on that. And Matt Brewer will drop by and chat a little bit about how he likes to use crankbaits this time of year and his trip out to South Dakota prairie dog hunting. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off as we always do with our Lake and Field Report brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. Next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Oars and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Now we'll kick the show off. Back in studio with us as she has been here for the last few weeks and that is Mandy Yurick. Mandy, welcome back. Good to be and here we are, you know, in the summer. Basically, we're now into the heart of it, I guess, even though officially we don't have the date. But, I mean, <laughs> as, as busy as everything is, there's so much stuff going on. And we're going to talk about one of your favorite way to bass fish here coming up a little bit later on. But I did want to recap last weekend, Cross Lake Lions Tournament, one of your favorite events of the year. How'd that go? Oh, absolutely. So, one, the Cross Lake Lions event, all the money goes back to the local food shelf. We raise thousands of dollars. It's just a great family event, multi-species the largest multi-species tournament in Minnesota. And wow, everybody was really nervous and what the weights were going to be like because of the new slot limit on the Northern Pike where 22 to 26 has to go back. You can't keep them. That's kind of your bread and butter fish as it is. Biggest weights we've ever had. I got to throw a huge shout out to Rod Romine and Justin Goss with just shy of 39 pounds total weight. I mean, the, all the weights from 10th up, you had to be 25 pounds plus to even be in that top 10. Wow. So incredible there. And weather was, was great and everything worked out? Yeah. Um, the, the wind laid down. It was overcast all day long, but obviously didn't affect the fish from biting. Camp tournament this weekend, Camp Confidence. Yep. And there again, a, a, another nonprofit that's a really good event, family orientated. All the money raised there goes back to campers in need for Camp Confidence for them to be able to come enjoy the beautiful Brainerd Lakes area and Gull Lake and, and go to camp. Like we said, a very, very busy time. And this is the time of the year that you basically your favorite way to bass fish. And uh, you brought this up to me last year, and I saw your face just light up when we mentioned frogging. <laughs> Are we a little early for that, do you think? I feel like we are, but are, you know, based on the date and the month, but where the water temp is at right now, it's go time. So there's multiple different kinds of frogs. You can get popper frogs and they come in all shapes, sizes, colors, weights. And basically your, you know, if it's if it's rice or pads, something with a heavier color or a cover that you're not necessarily going to be throwing a spinner bait or a buzz bait, something like that. You cast this frog out and you it's a top water and you reel it back and basically these bass come exploding out of the water and munch down on frogs and 
it's not the best hookup ratio, but definitely there's nothing more exciting than a four-pound bass exploding out of the water with a frog in its mouth. So I can see why you love it. Um, and is it for everybody, say, say somebody that's just starting off in bass fishing, is this something that they can do and have some success with? Absolutely, but there definitely is a, a technique, a rod, and, and line. So I would suggest a heavy rod, a longer rod, probably a 7.6 would be right. And you're going to want to have anywhere from a 40-pound to an 80-pound braid on it. So you're going to cast that frog out, and you're going to reel it in. Make sure you keep your rod tip up um, as you're reeling in. And a good rule of thumb, and I do it and people laugh at me, Nine times out of ten, you're going to see that bass explode, and instantaneously you're going to set the hook. Well, that bass doesn't have that frog in its mouth yet because it's still coming up and not going back down. So once you get an explosion, I always out loud, I count one, one thousand, two, one thousand, then I set the hook. It, it'll take a couple times when you're practicing and you'll get it. Nine times out of ten, the first ten times it explodes on you, you're going to jump the gun and set the hook before the bass has got it. So if, if you take that time and do the one, one thousand, two, one thousand, it's definitely going to increase your hookup ratio. So somebody's listening to this right now and going, that sounds like a blast. I want to do that. So they're heading to the store. What do they want to look for? So when you go into the store, um, just ask where their topwater frogs are, and you'll have just a wide array of different kinds of frogs, different colors of frogs. Um, I don't really know what to say. I've got a couple favorites, but I have to say hands down for a color combination, black. Like, I know it sounds simple, and they have frogs that look like real leopard frogs, you know, and, and those are great, too, and maybe even better in a, in a better water quality situation. Obviously, they're going to be able to see those colorations a little bit more, but ultimately, it's a reaction bait. So anything dark that's skipping across the top of the water, uh, the bass is going to see it as it's going over the top, and then it's going to react to hit it, but experiment pick up which color you like <laughs> play around with it a little bit you also mentioned buzz baits they come into play this time of year as well absolutely so you know with buzz baits and, and frogs specifically we always think when we go frogging to or buzz baiting that oh you got to get into the cover or the pads when it's super high light right because obviously the bass are going to duck under the pads and to get out of the sunlight to protect their eyes but don't be scared absolutely Frog and buzz bait, even when it's overcast. So don't forget, when it's overcast or super cloudy out, those bass can sit higher in the water column and, you know, they're free to swim around a little bit more. So they're not tucked super tight and they're not tucked at the bottom on the base to get out of that sunlight ratio. So go ahead and, and throw them in overcast, guys, but buzz baits. And if you, if you, if you see a buzz bait or throw a buzz bait, it's got this awesome clacking sound and you can get a single blade or a double blade. Kind of more prevalent to the double blade, but it makes a really loud clack, 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 clack as it's going across the water. And there again, uh, throwing it in areas that you can throw it in, in reeds, you can throw it in the pads, you can throw it in, in rice. It's just an awesome, awesome bass bait. And you also mentioned, I think, something you've mentioned this many times on the show too, but for those that have missed it, light conditions and stuff. You've always said that, you know, sometimes, especially with bass, they don't wear sunglasses. Correct. And I think that is something that sometimes anglers forget. You know, absolutely. So if, if you're on a, a sandy shoreline and there's nothing but reeds there and there is no other vegetation cover in with those reeds, nine times out of 10, especially if they're under three feet of water in bright sun, midday conditions, those bass aren't going to be in there because it doesn't provide the, the sunlight cover that they need to protect their eyes. Overcast, cloudy day, absolutely. Those fish are going to be more confident. They're going to be able to get out from thick vegetation. Reeds are definitely a good way to go. But keeping that in mind, when you're going and you're looking at, at vegetation, 
vegetation. Um, high sun, thicker vegetation, better. They're going to be tucked in, in tight to it, underneath it. If it's overcast, they're going to be, you know, maybe four to six feet off of that vegetation break. So Interesting stuff there. One last thing, Mandy, and I don't know if you wanted to talk about this or not, but we always love to tell stories on, on the show. Last week, and if you get a chance, check out Mandy and Ray on uh, Lakeland Public News on Thursday nights, I believe Correct. it is. You guys are out filming, and uh, it was a little issue there. Maybe you want to take it from there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, first, I want to apologize to everybody that was stuck on the lake that could not get off the lake this past Sunday while we were filming. And I really want to give a kudos to the AIS inspector, Kevin the Caveman, for chucking tools from shore to my boat to make it possible for us to get off the lake. But, yeah, we had some technical difficulties. So there's a lot of people trying to get off the lake because the storm was coming in. The wind had picked up, and it was 20 to 25 miles an hour. And so I'm patiently waiting for the people ahead of me to get off. So I'm like, hey, I got talent. I'll throw my talons down. We'll just sit and chill out and talk and I don't have to, you know, run the motor. Well, unfortunately, talons went down, but the talons didn't go up. And I, I do want to say you just got a brand new boat. So you really have not had a chance to try out a lot of the, the stuff on it yet. So Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that was the heartbreaker there. I mean, <laughs> I basically had one trip on the boat previous to us taking it out filming. And you made a couple calls to the reps. There is a safety feature where you can manually crank up the talons if it happens. Unfortunately, that safety feature also didn't oh, work. <laughs> so thanks to Kevin, the AIS guy, who literally chucked us tools. And Ray and I had to literally unbolt the talons from my boat while in the water wow. and drag them over the side so we were able to get off the water thus allowing everybody else behind us to get off the water sure so and we've all you and I have always talked about you know people being polite and stuff on on, on the water and everything especially during opener and you you're always said be prepared don't be that guy <laughs> You know, or that person. And so, and like you said, you wanted to apologize. It wasn't your fault, though. Correct. And, you know, a lot of people that were there on the, at the access that were waiting to try to get off, everybody was, was throwing a lot of advice, obviously. We, we, they were very patient. They were awesome, you know, and they even stuck around to make sure that I got off the lake, which was, was really nice. And, the people that were throwing advice was already stuff you already knew. You know, try to take it <laughs> off manually. I got it. I know that. <laughs> yeah, actually, sometimes um, if you had a um, if you're moving forward and your talons are down, sometimes they'll actually lodge in the bottom of the of the lake. And if you get on your trolling motor and simply slide back side to side, it'll re- release the pressure. And that was a lot of people. You could see people on their phones like googling it. <laughs> Have you tried this? Yeah, yeah, no. It, it, it's an electrical issue, yeah. but thanks, I appreciate right, it. What, so. a, what a situation to be in. Well, I'm glad you guys got off safe and all that. But uh, Mandy Urick, she is uh, our bass aficionado here on the show, and, and fun to have her on from time to time, especially telling stories. Oh yeah, There's I'll be the ones. I'll be the brunt of the joke. I don't mind. <laughs> but once again, it wasn't your fault. So Correct. so anyway, Mandy, if people want more information on you, how can they get it? Check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Thursday nights with Ray. Tune in live here. Or catch us on podcast. There you go, Mandy Urick. I appreciate it. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. When we come back, Ray Gildow, he's been chasing walleyes around on Winnie and Leach in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, so he's got the latest there. And Steve Sapaniak's on the prowl for muskies on Mille Lacs. We'll get the lowdown from him when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Back with us, uh, Ray Gildow at the Nisswa Guides League joins us. Ray always keeping a very close eye on Winnie, Leach, 
in even the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And uh, Ray, back again here in studio with us this week. And uh, I guess, should we start on Winnie? You talked last week, some very good fishing up there. Let's start on Winnie. But before I do that, I want to publicly tell uh, a thank you to Kevin. <laughs> who, I don't know if Mandy mentioned this to, or to, about Kevin. Did she talk about it? Earlier in the show, she okay, did. Okay, then yes. I won't do it again. Yeah, but uh-huh. I mean, it's 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 funny. he saved our life. He threw some uh, <laughs> wrenches out to us and helped us out of a sticky situation. It sounds like it. And we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. I do want to talk to you about it because uh, there's other parts to that story that you can actually chime in on. Sure. But let's start on Winnie. Because well, Winnie is, um, in fact, this week in the Bemidji paper, an article, The Walleye Magic is Back on Winnie. And it's been just really, really good. And, and I think it's good, to, uh, probably equal to what's going on in Mille Lacs. Wow. Uh, Mille Lacs is n- but nothing but big fish out in the mud flats, uh, 25s, 24s, 26s, 27s. Leech uh, is kind of a, so we'll talk about leech in a minute, but it's tougher on leech. Winnie has been the little magic lake right now. And um, on the north end where High Banks is located over on the northeast side, I was talking to Kim uh, this morning, and it's been just a fabulous bite. And they're still in that 16, 17-foot range. Uh, they're kind of run through the shiners. They, they're not using shiners anymore, so people are going to fatheads and leeches, much more so than crawlers. When I was there last week, we were doing pretty well on crawlers. But she said it's just been a real good leech bite. And for the first time, there's been some of the customers that went out to the mid-lake humps and started catching fish out in the mid-lake humps, too. So it's been a good bite for walleyes, a good bite for a northern pike, and it's been a real good bite yet for jumbo perch. And almost all of those are coming off of leeches, even the, even the northern pike. They're probably not fishing for those. But Winnie has been really, really good. Now, we've had pretty unstable weather, and it looks like another week coming up that's going to be pretty unstable, get real hot. And so when we get these cold fronts that come through, that can obviously change things in a hurry. It makes things a little bit tougher. But when they're down in that 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, 23 feet is, is what I was catching them at a week ago, they're just so easy to see. So you can sit right on top of them. And then if they're not going to bite, get out of there and go try another bunch. Winnie is a spot. Now jumping over to Leech Lake. There's fish in Leech Lake, too. <laughs> <laughs> Contrary to popular Contrary opinion. Contrary to popular opinion. <laughs> uh, my friend Jack Shriver, Jr., who has the Shriver Bait Shop in uh, Walker, had a couple days this week where they filled out. The guides filled out with their customers, and they've been uh, doing the best in Sucker Bay. And Sucker Bay is where you have Little Hardwood, Big Hardwood Star, and all of those particular points, first and second duck. And then about towards the end of this week, it just kind of shut off, and it got to be really tough to find them again. But they've been going with crawlers and leeches, uh, long lining, you know, with a three, four foot snell, um, just coming off the bottom a little bit. And again, I, as I mentioned last week, don't be afraid to try floaters because that's starting to work too. But I think it's fair to say now in those two lakes, Leech Lake and um, Winnie, they're starting to migrate off the shore breaks and moving out into the mid-lake humps. And when they move out to those mid-lake humps, that's when we start uh, often going with spinners, crawler harnesses, uh, longer little lines, you know, longer leader lines on them. And don't be afraid to start using small spinners because that's, that's going to start producing fish, especially on those mid-lake humps. And on leech, when I'm talking about mid-lake humps, I'm talking about Moki Reef. I'm talking about Submarine Island, the Annex, the Rock Pile. Out in those areas, that's where they're starting to move to. You know, we were talking earlier with Mandy, and, and she brought up frogging for bass, and she thought maybe we're just a, a week 
early for that, maybe even two. With those walleyes moving off into those mid-lake humps, as you mentioned, Ray, is that a little early too, do you think, or are we a little late on something like that? I think, you know, I really think it's about the right time. Okay. I think that hot weather we got sort of caught things up. Um, on the four lakes I've been on in the past week, the water temperature has been about the same, 70, 72 degrees surface temperature. So I think we're pretty close to where we would normally be for mid-July, or mid-June, rather. What about here outside of Leach and Winnie? Have, have you kind of, you know, Gull Lake, Round, North Long, are you hearing anything there, too? Uh, it's really kind of interesting because there are per- periods where people are catching walleyes. We talk about walleyes first. Uh, on on Gaul, I've got some friends who have been catching them in the evenings on shadow wraps, and they said they're almost like muskies. They follow the shadow wrap right to the boat. <laughs> now, I haven't experienced that, but a couple of my friends have done that. And so in that evening, there's been a little bit of a bite. There's been a bite on North Long. Um, one of my friends has been fishing over there and been getting, been getting them on flat wraps, which are like jigging wraps, but they're flatter. And they've been using them in uh, 13 to 18 feet of water. You can see those fish, but they've been running small on North Long, 13, 14 inches. Once in a while, there's a 16, 17 in there. But it's inconsistent. So if you think you're just going to run over there any time and get one, you're going to probably be disappointed. So you really do have to work at it. Uh, round, I haven't gotten any reports this week from Round, so I don't know. Uh, I've been bass fishing. Uh, I had one day... The the lake beat me. (laughs) And then I had a a good day today where we did really, really well bass fishing. So I think the bass fishing is turning on, and it's going pretty well for most people. But as we talked about earlier, uh, the walleye fishing in our Brainerd Lakes area right now just isn't what it used to be. Because this is when we used to really make hay in June, uh, you know, even into early July, and then it would start slowing down. And a lot of those mid-lake humps like on Gall Lake and North Long where we used to catch a lot of walleyes, there aren't too many there. They seem to be really weed-related walleyes. And I know one friend of mine who sits back quite a ways. He's, he's got some areas where he, and he hasn't told me where they're at on Gall, but he's been pitching uh, minnows and jigs in 7 to 8 to 9 feet of water, and he's been catching a fair amount of walleyes, even in the midday. But you got to know where they're at. You got to find them because they're really in the weeds. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering if gull is becoming like you know Matt and I have talked about Cass Lake and and with the invasive species up there and how that lake is. You know, people that have been fishing that lake for 20, 30 years have had to relearn it. I'm wondering if we're going that direction with gull right now. Too. That's what I think. That's what the DNR. When I've talked with some of the DNR guys, that's what they also believe. Uh, water clarity is such a huge factor there. We used to be able to sit in 9, 10 feet of water and catch fish in literally when the water temperature was still cool, 10, 11, 12 feet of water. Um, they're still in there, but you can't sit over them. You've got to be away from them to, to get them. That water clarity, I think, is a big, big factor in what's happening in these lakes. One last thing, Ray, and I know we're going to talk to Steve Saponiak a little bit later on in the show on Mille Lacs, and I, I just on social media I've seen he's had so much luck early on with muskies. And Leach, and I want to say Winnie, does Winnie have a muskie population right. up there too? Yep. Have you seen and heard a lot of boats up there and people doing pretty well with muskies? I haven't heard anything on muskie fishing on Winnie at all. So uh, obviously I don't think there's too many people fishing there. Um, and, and I think on um, Leach I've heard of a few guys picking up a few small ones. But that usually gets better as the water gets warmer. July and August, that's when that starts picking up pretty good typically. It's not that you shouldn't go out there and try to catch them now, but that's when it's usually better. Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. You can check Ray out at raygildow.com. Also follow him on all social media as well. I appreciate you stopping in, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. 
Set out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there. As always, Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service standing by. And Steve has been chasing muskies around the last week. I don't know if you've been following him on Facebook and social media and stuff. You probably saw some pictures. Uh, Steve, it, it seems like the – and it really started for opener uh, out there. Musky fishing has been really good lately. It's been incredible. You know, I have no way to describe it but other than the term incredible. It's one of the best uh, springs I've seen in – I don't know how many years, you know, opening day, five muskies, you know, all together since opening day, which is a week and a half ago, we have eight, we have had 18 muskies on and 14 boated. One of them, just a monster at 52 and a half inches and a heck of a girth. It was, it was a well 40 pound class fish and uh, nice to say all these fish are being being released, but it's been awesome. That's all I can say, Brian. You know, and it's funny that you say that because I mean, the, the, I don't know what the theory would be, Steve, why in the last four or five years that opener has been so good in early spring and early summer has been so good for muskies, but apparently they're just they're ready to go. They are definitely ready to go. I think what might be one of the scenarios that we could use to describe it would be global warming. You know, as of up until five years ago, really, they, muskies really didn't get going until the end of June or after the 4th of July, but... With these warmer water temperatures, uh, things are moving quicker, and I'm not going to complain one bit about it. It's been phenomenal. So what are you throwing out there for those? We're throwing spinner baits. We're throwing phantom crankbaits. We're throwing the baby beaver. We are throwing inline bucktails. I got a good friend up here right now from Williston for a few days I'm guiding. He's got a great big streamer fly on like you use for fly fishing, and he just got done with a nice follow. So a little bit of everything and anything right now has been seeming to go good. We checked out the shallows the last two days. They moved out of their regular haunts early in the spring into the shallows. Now they're taking the secondary position, which is the deeper weed beds, and that's where we're seeing some nice fish again. And has it been an all-day thing? Early yesterday morning, things were going good. We left that weed bed we were on. We came back. It was about 12.30, 1 o'clock. I got mine right, right away there. And things just continue to pick up, you know, like it has been for us for the last couple of weeks or a week and a half. All throughout the day, things have been decent. By mid-afternoon, it sort of tapers off a little bit. But come evening again, early evening, things get going again. It's uh, It's been incredible. I, I know I'm repeating myself, but that's about the only term I can use to describe it. And you said mostly shallow, huh? Mostly shallow, you know. We haven't seen any fish in less in you know, over eight feet of water right now, which is good. I like that idea. That everything is still sort of shallow. So that's interesting. Any big pike that you're picking up with those muskies? Not a one. I think the biggest pike we've got, Brian, so far is four pounds. And when the muskies are stacked up like they have been the last week and a half in specific areas, if you got a little small pike in there, he's taking his life in his hands because that you know that's basically a meal for the muskie. And those fish that are they're hitting, are they very, very aggressive? Are they basically just thumping this thing, or are they kind of finessing it a little bit? And are you catching them more away from the boat or closer to? You know, it's been both. You know, uh, I've talked to a lot of other musky fishermen here the last week and a half, and, you know, a couple of them told me they're barely nipping. We found it to be just the opposite. When we get hit, it's not an earth-shaking revelation, no doubt. But you know you had a hit. Uh, the next question was, are they hitting anywhere in between and by both sides? Half of the fish we've taken have been halfways with our retrieve, and we picked up three of them on the first turn of the figure eight right at both sides, including one big one about 54 inches. We lost the second, uh, third day of opener, just a massive fish. So, yeah, it's been exciting. They've been hitting anywhere in between. And one last thing on the muskies, a lot of anglers out there. Are you seeing a lot of muskie anglers, or is it just kind of you have the lake to yourself? Well, right now, today, we've got the lake a little bit to ourselves, which is nice. Uh, they know the muskies aren't in the shallows no more. They've moved out a little bit, and that's where a lot of guys draw the line. They don't want to have to work at them. 
you know, you just figure out where they are, hit the primary structure, the secondary shelves, and you'll find them. Uh, how are walleye anglers out there? Are they happy? Walleye anglers are grinning from ear to ear, Brian. It's been a phenomenal walleye bite. I don't care if you're shallow sand or if you're on the mud flats. I know one walleye guide up here got a 30-incher here about four or five days ago. Incredibly fat fish, beautiful fish. They're working the gravel and, like I said, the mud flats. When you're working the mud flats, it's been a lot of lindy rigging or bobber fishing, which works fantastic. Also, the way the water temperature is warmed up, we're going to be going into a bottom bouncer bite with crawlers. So you're going to have the best of three worlds to choose from, lindy rig, bottom bouncers, and slip bobber fishing. And leeches, would they work too, minnows? Oh, my minnows, this time of year is a little tougher for getting the walleyes to bite on, but they love those jumbo leeches. When you're lindy rig, don't fish more than three inches off the bottom. That's the key. Do not drag that sinker because all you're doing is making a cloud of dust for your leech to go through and no walleye sees it. And it's funny, you mentioned how nice looking these fish and fat they are with, with the walleyes. And I even noticed on some of those musky pictures that you posted, Steve, these are not fish that are starving. These, these are fish that are looking, they're eating well. They're eating very well, you know. Those muskies are healthy. They're fat. Uh, the walleyes are very healthy and fat, but, you know, uh, we have fish are just fat all around. Smallmouth bass, my gosh, four or five pounders look like little footballs up here. Yeah, so uh, it's all happening up there on the Lax at Steve Saponiak Predator Guide Service. You can check Steve out, predatorguideservice.com, as well as on all the social media as well. Steve, I appreciate it. Good stuff. Good uh, continued luck out there on the Lax, and we'll check in next week, okay? Okay, I appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll get the Up North report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji will drop by. He'll talk about some crankbait fishing and his trip out to South Dakota prairie dog hunting when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Up north we go to Bemidji, the Up North Report. As always, Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service, joins us. And uh, we're going to talk a little South Dakota prairie dog hunting with Matt here a little bit later on in the segment, because that's where he was last week. But uh, I guess first off, Matt, we got to talk fishing, because... You always keep a very close eye on what's happening up around your uh, home base up there. Last week, a lot of good reports from you. What about this week? Still pretty good. I've had Jason out guiding while um, while I was gone, and he's doing well, actually. Today, he just just uh, texted me some photos of some clients with a 24 and a 26-inch walleye, so it's going. It's still going well. Um, the bites aren't aren't as numerous, but uh, but a lot of big fish, and and still. You know, you can scratch out your limits pretty easily um, if you spend enough time on the water. So it's it's still good. It's not not gangbusters like it was, you know, a week or two ago, but but it's still very good. Red Lake still the the lake up by you, Matt, to go to is that is that really the hot one right now, or are they all kind of uh, evened out? You know, that kind of that kind of died off um, as far as vocally. Um, I haven't haven't heard a lot and haven't seen a, a ton of. Uh, reports from up there but i imagine people are still whacking them up there but you know it kind of after after the big hoopla settles down you know you don't hear a ton of people talking about it anymore everybody kind of they kind of know oh yep it's good and I know you caught 60 fish, and, and they kind of just quit talking about it. So, Lake Bemidji, right out, right now, of course, that's in your backyard. Uh, still doing okay? Yeah, that's uh, 
you know, that's where we've been spending most of our time, and it's it's still still really good. Things have changed a little bit. You know, the spot tail shiners are almost impossible to find now, and and uh, rigging crawlers or leeches has has been pretty good. So the bite is getting a little more diverse. Um, you know, you can go out and use a lot of different tactics. The the evening crankbait bite is is really good now too. So we're kind of getting into that early summer with early summer patterns and it's kind of status quo we're we're about where we're supposed to be and everything is is doing what it's supposed to be doing so you know late june early july is when we'll start really hitting crankbaits i I already started pulling cranks last week when i was guiding and and we got some fish to go on 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 salmon hornets and we only made a few passes just to see how it was and and the northerns are still (laughs) they're still so active that uh but I was like, nah, I I don't want to lose six dollar baits all day long. So, <laughs> um, but we did we did get some walleyes to go on crankbaits. So I know that I know that that bite is there, and and uh, I can I can utilize that tactic tactic if I need to. So, but usually late June, early July is when I switch over to really hardcore pulling cranks most of the time, and then uh, you know through the end of July and and through August we're doing a lot of lead core or uh, or running shallow on windy days and crankbaits are just they're just so easy and and uh they work so well that time of year so and i, I mean if you'd asked me a month ago how long before i'm going to use crankbaits i would have said it, it feels like it's you know <laughs> six months from now but <laughs> time is moving so quickly this summer that uh that it won't be long i mean it'll be three, four weeks and, and we'll be switching over to crankbaits already. So And there's probably some listeners that maybe aren't, you know, don't fish a ton, Matt, but but they do go off from time to time. They're probably going, why does he switch over to crankbaits at this time of year? It's just for me, it's easy to do, um, and we can cover a lot of water. So, you know, if if the fish are kind of scattered, um, you know, on a long long sand flat or cabbage flat, uh, you know, long long stretch that's ideal depth. And, and the fish are kind of scattered on that whole shoreline, I can pull crankbaits and um, we can cover all that water really quickly and, and move through there a bunch of times so you can pick off fish here and there uh, instead of, you know, sitting stationary vertical jigging. And, and a lot of our clientele is, you know, they're, they're not professional fishermen. They're, they're trying to learn. And, uh, you know, some of them are just here on vacation and they fish maybe once or twice a year. So it it really maximizes the potential for them to get fish in the boat because you're going to lose much less um, fish on a crankbait than you would say jig fishing or pulling crawlers. You know they may may not feel the bite or or something like that with with crankbaits. You just throw the rods in the rod holders and go. And when they keel over, they just pull the rod out of the rod holder and reel them in. So it's it's easy and it's it allows you to cover a lot of water and. And if we get experienced people and, you know, we're, we're on a really good pot of fish when we're pulling crankbaits, we can stop and pitch jigs or or slip bobber or we can run rigs through there. Um, it all depends on, on the groups. And some people absolutely hate trolling. So um, we always have to know what's going on with the other bites as well. But but it's very easy and, and highly productive. So switch from day to day, um, but usually anywhere from that, like, six and a half to 13 feet of water. Um, I'll kind of bounce in and out of that, that range. And depends on the height of the cabbage weeds or, uh, the height of the sand grass or, you know, whatever you're fishing. Um, 
you, you know, you don't want to be digging those those baits into into weeds and having people pull weeds off all day either. So it it really changes. And and then later in the season when we start pulling lead core, you know, you're you're fishing 24 to 38, 40 feet of water, and you know you're getting those crankbaits down there that far and it, it, it's all where the fish are. Once you <laughs> once you figure out where the fish are, that's where you want to put the crankbait. So there you go. One last thing on fishing, Matt. We talked to Steve earlier in the show out of Mille Lacs, and he's doing really, really well with muskies out there right now. And he's you know, a little bit surprised this early in the season they're going like they are. You had mentioned last week, too, when we talked to you, you got a ton of great muskie lakes up in your way. You were a little surprised, too, that there was many muskie anglers out there as there were. Yeah, it's and the success rate is really high, like, I mean, I, I think I talked about it last week. I had, there was like a 12-year-old who, it was his first time ever muskie fishing, him and his dad, or he was 14. Um, him and his dad went out and he caught one the first night. So um, that never happens. It surely didn't happen to me. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the muskies are going. I'm seeing pictures constantly of people getting them and people are getting them while they're crappie fishing. People are getting them while they're walleye fishing. I have no idea why they're so active. Um you know, it, it should be kind of that tough time of the year where it's hard to catch a, a muskie, but but they're going really well and, and people are catching them. So um, I have no explanation. I don't even have a theory this time. No, uh, hmm. I don't. Even, I can't even throw BS out there to to try <laughs> to make myself sound smart. This is just a, a weird situation. But. Yeah, and I would have thought too, as late as the spring as we had in those early cold water temps, I would have thought for sure this year the muskie opener was going to suffer more than anything else, and that just wasn't the case. Yeah, it was like the, the complete opposite of what I predicted. I'm like, oh, nobody's going to catch a muskie on an opener this year, and people did way better than, than I would have expected even on a normal year. Yeah, so that's something we'll continue to monitor, no doubt about that. One last thing, Matt, you were out in South Dakota, and uh, you fired off a few rounds at some prairie dogs out there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, if you've never done it, you have to go try it. And a few rounds is an understatement. I mean, we, <laughs> <laughs> we shot and shot and shot and shot and shot, and uh, we were out out there on on the Rosebud Reservation and and had a tribal guide. So we were on some pretty good pieces of uh, you know chunks of property. And uh, a lot of people, when they think of prairie dog hunting, or or I've talked to other people who go prairie dog hunting, and they're like, "Yeah, we went to this dog town, and you know, we probably shot a hundred a hundred dogs and probably shot 300 rounds of ammo. And, and I'm like, yeah, we shot 2,700 rounds today. And <laughs> the, the amount of prairie dogs we shot is like, I, I couldn't even tell you how many, <laughs> how many are laying out there, but it's uh it's definitely fun and they're overpopulating. They're destroying croplands. They are digging holes in pastures and they're completely destructive and they carry a form of the plague, so you know there's they're cute little critters, but there's no uh, there's no remorse. Then all the ranchers and farmers they they just beg for people to come and get rid of them, and they reproduce way faster than than I can pull the trigger. So um, so it's 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 a lot of fun, and definitely gotta gotta have a variety of guns. And I was lucky enough to be able to shoot a bunch of new stuff, and. Uh, and test out some some new loads from Federal and and some new guns from Savage and we we had an absolute blast and then um, we we had some Camp Chef grills out there we had a pellet grill and then uh, a propane grill so I got spoiled on food too we we ate like kings for three days so 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's an absolute blast. I look forward to the trip every year and, and for anyone who has never done it before, you, you got to look up a, a prairie dog guide and I know you can go out and do it on your own. Prairie dog towns are everywhere and farmers and ranchers want them gone. But if you really want to have fun, look up one of these tribal guides and, and go out and, and bring as much ammo as you can get your hands on. What caliber were you shooting? A lot of different stuff. I shot uh, the new 6mm um, from Federal. So I shot some 204 Ruger, 6.5 Creedmoor, 223, um, a lot of 17 Hornet and 17 HMR. Even shot uh, 22 for a little while. But uh, I spent most of my time behind the, the new 224 Valkyrie which um, I've written a ton about this year uh, leading into its release. Um, started back in November and fell in love with the round, and that's, it's my favorite round. And, and a couple of the guns from Savage and from JP Rifles down in the cities, um, they, they're just tack drivers. And I was consistently hitting prairie dogs at like 500 yards, no problem, and we were pushing them out over 800 yards, so... That's a, that's a long ways with an AR. I mean, that that's just as the farthest shot we could have made was like 890, and uh, someone got like an 831. I had I had a 7 786, I think it was. We had an 803. I mean, and these are these are confirmed shots. You know, the guide is watching and confirmation on on the hit, and and that's a poke for an animal the size of a, a Mountain Dew bottle. That's for sure. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And as you said, Matt, uh, if somebody maybe once hasn't done it before, but they're listening and going, yeah, it sounds fun. Um, you, like you said, just look up some guides out there. You, that's probably the way to go for somebody to start, right? Hire, hire a guide. Yeah. And like I said, you can do it on your own. You're just not going to, you're not going to have near as much fun as, as you would on, you know, some of the tribal land uh, and the dogs out there don't get as much pressure and they're, they're much more prolific. So that would, that would be my suggestion to anyone going out. There you go, Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check Matt out a variety of ways. One place is his website, northcountryguides.com, and then follow him on all the social media platforms as well. Matt, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always. We'll check in with you next week, okay? Sounds good. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Check out BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. You'll find sponsor links and product spotlights, podcasts of past shows, and you can email Brian all at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Now here's your host of Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. Time for our Famish Fisherman recipe here on Brainerd Outdoors. Chef Joel's back again from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North in Baxter. Boy, you got a good one this week, uh, Joel. Pineapple grilled walleye, and you also have a a salsa that you're going to make for us, too. A little bit of a grilled salsa. We're going to take... Our two to three pounds of clean walleye, we're just going to season them up with a little salt and pepper and a little oil on top of them just to get them nice and seasoned. Let those sit. And then we're going to take a couple of nice, nice-sized nice pineapples, and we're going to peel them, and we're going to try to save the peelings in nice fish-sized pieces, I guess, so we can uh, sandwich your walleye in between two pieces of pineapple skin. Nice. And we're going to tie that around, and we're going to grill it that way. So get a nice-sized chunk of pineapple skin, wrap that up, butcher twine or kitchen twine, Tie it up, make them nice and tight. Throw those on the grill, you know, probably a, a medium, medium high heat. And we're just going to grill those for, it's going to take a, a generous amount of time, probably a 15, 15 minutes per side because we are going through the wall or through the pineapple skin. Our walleye is grilling. We can take the, our pineapple that we skinned 
and we can slice it into nice thick chunks, and then we can grill that. Throw that on the grill, a little salt and pepper on there as well, or we're going to take some fresh jalapenos and grill those as well. Just enough to get it nice and tender. You don't want to char them up a whole lot, just a little bit. Take those off, let them cool a little bit, dice them up nice and fine, a little bit of red onion finely diced, uh, we'll add in some fresh lime juice, fresh cilantro, a little bit of honey, a little bit of orange marmalade, a little sriracha to keep, <laughs> to keep it spicy, <laughs> and some salt and pepper. We're just going to mix that all together, let it sit for a minute while our walleye finishes grilling, take that off, we need that nice citrusy flavor from the pineapple, pour a little salsa over top of it, serve it with some rice, steamed vegetables, grilled vegetables, anything. Top notch. Two things on this. Uh, right. Number one, it's interchangeable with other fish, right? If you didn't Definitely. It's any kind of any kind of white fish is what I was going for on this Sure. One. So even if you had smaller crappie fillets, you could actually put two or three of them yeah, on definitely. something like that. Okay. Yep. Uh, number two, how warm do you want the grill? I would go for a medium high. You're going to want to go through that pineapple. It doesn't really matter if you're going to burn your pineapple. So I'd go almost probably as high as you can. So if you want to give it a try, this is fantastic. Pineapple grilled walleye. That's our recipe for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. Uh, if you want to head to our website to check it out, I encourage you to do that, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, and click on the recipes tab. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Brian. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Of course, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5. A variety of ways to catch the show if you missed it. Uh, number one, you can stream it live uh, if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. Also, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you'll find the uh, podcast to listen to on demand. Or you can just check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. You can download us, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and many, many more. Give us a good rating. Leave us a nice comment if you'd like. Much appreciated. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Liveax Marine, In Isle, Minnesota Resort Sales, Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms. The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts and Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.